Welcome in. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. I am Farzim Vasugian here with you on a Friday. Hope you're all having a great weekend, a great start to your weekend, or, or a great weekend, whatever uh, whatever time is you're listening to the podcast. Hope you're doing well, staying warm, uh, at least in Kansas City. Boy, uh, this weather is uh, pretty nasty out there, not very good. Hope you're all staying safe. Hope you're staying in, not going out if you don't have to. Uh, but gosh, man, people just people just line up in in grocery stores like like it's the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, collect everything off the shelves, get all the bread, water, and milk, everything, uh, because they're never coming back again. It's a zombie, like it's the Walking Dead happening in reality now. No, uh, I mean it's just just an ice storm. Sometimes meteorologists blow it out of proportion. We saw it last year when the Chiefs had to reschedule their game. With the Steelers uh, to uh, to the to to an evening game, so and it didn't seem like that was necessary to do, but at the time they felt like it was necessary. But hey, I'm all about safety first, so no worries. Uh, but man, uh, hopefully you're all staying safe out there. I mean, there's so many bad drivers out there on the road, and I've said it on the show before. My biggest pet peeve: bad drivers. So hopefully you haven't had to come across any of that. I've heard about some wrecks. In and around the Kansas City area. Uh, so I hope you are all staying safe and warm this weekend. A lot to get into in this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Unfortunately, now we are in the off-season mode. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, as we know, a heartbreaking loss to the Tennessee Titans. A lot of people still very upset about that and how the season came to an end. We'll talk a little bit about that. Plus, just an unfortunate trend that is happening with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm not necessarily talking about some of the heartbreaking losses, postseason losses, but maybe uh, in another aspect, how disappointing some of these postseason losses are. Uh, the Chiefs come across another one. I'll get into why uh, that is just hurting this fan base, just continues to deteriorate for Chiefs fans. Also, an update with the coaching staff. As some of you guys know by now, one coordinator is left, one coordinator is still on the team, and the Chiefs are interviewing an assistant coach out there. I'll talk about all of that on the podcast. Plus, I've been getting a lot of heat for a certain comment I've been making about this playoff game the Chiefs just lost to the Tennessee Titans. And uh, I'll come on here and address those critics and and defend myself again and uh, explain myself. I, I did this on the last podcast, but doing so on social media and from the last podcast, I've gotten a lot of... Facebook comments, some tweets, some emails about this, and a lot of people very unhappy with my take about something that happened in the game between the Chiefs and the Titans. So I'll address that in just a moment. Plus, one athlete out there a lot of people feel bad for. I don't feel bad for that athlete. I'll tell you who that is later on. If you guys want to get involved with the show, even though we're in off-season mode, we are not going anywhere. Podcasts will still be around. Eventually, we're going to go back to doing the podcast once a week for... Maybe a week or two, we're going to continue to do it twice a week, but after that, we're going to reduce things and go back to doing a podcast once a week. Basically, we'll do it once a week, but if there's any major breaking news that comes out, uh, we'll definitely do a podcast right away, as it would definitely be necessary to do so. But if you guys want to be part of the show, interactivity, definitely a big part of this podcast. Follow me on Facebook. Give my Facebook page a like, facebook.com slash Vesugian. Follow me on Twitter, at Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. Share it on social media. If you like what you hear, let your friends know about the Chiefs on Podcast. All right, a lot to get into in the first off-season episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Let me just start off with the officiating that happened this past week, because I, I have not necessarily defended Jeff Triplett, but a lot of people are just angry about this. The, after I did the podcast, there was a report that came out uh, that this was Jeff Triplett's first postseason game in, what, six, seven years? And the, uh, the NFL knew that he was going to retire after this game, so the NFL gave this game, I guess, as like a gift to him. Uh, so we can do one postseason game and uh, go out with uh, a postseason game under his belt. A lot of people are upset about that. I, it doesn't necessarily change the result for me. But a lot of Chiefs fans still very angry about the officiating in that game and more so with the forward progress, uh, the holding penalties that were missed. Listen, let me just say this about holding. Uh, I know Tom Mahali, and I even took a picture of the Tom Mahali hold that was just 
completely miss. That's been a, the staple of Tom Bahali's career, unfortunately. Uh, he is, he's done a lot of great things, don't get me wrong, but, man, I mean, that, that, Tom Bahali's been heavily known for being held, and it, 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 so many referees have missed it. But holding missed holding calls happen on so many plays. And let, let me just say this about officiating in general, not just this game, in general. A lot of times, and even I try to do it objectively with my team when I'm watching, whether it's KU, the Chiefs, whoever. A lot of times you'll see holding calls, I mean, fans won't even notice them. There will be a big play happening and fans don't even notice the holding call. That's why we have officials who are keeping an eye on those things rather than following the action. But there are certain plays that we do we do notice such as uh, holding with a defensive back or an interference call. And a lot of times we see wide receivers or pass catchers, essentially, who put their hands up after an incompletion, wondering where the flag was, thinking that it was a catchable pass had had there not been any sort of holding or or, or interference. And a lot of fans get involved with, with it, too, starting to boo a play. Or you even notice some sort of an applause when... When uh, when you think a flag is going to be thrown on your team, but the official decides not to. Let me just give you an example. I was watching uh, KU and Iowa State on Tuesday, I believe. And Devontae, th- there was a loose ball that went out of bounds. Devontae Graham, and I, it was incidental. It's not like he did this with harsh intentions. Devontae Graham, uh, the guard for KU, bumped into an Iowa State player and... And if this was at Iowa State, if this is at Ames, Iowa State fans would be shouting at officials for some sort of whistle to be blown. Uh, some sort of a foul to be called on Devontae Graham. But when Devontae Graham bumped into this Iowa State player as the ball went out of bounds, you could, even just watching on TV, you could kind of notice the, the crowd at Allen Fieldhouse they were kind of silent when the ball went out of bounds and when the referee didn't call for a foul and just pointed it uh, as KU basketball, you heard you know a different kind of applause from fans. It means, oh, well, well, thanks for the call there. We thought you were going to give a foul for us. So, you, you, listen, you get that from uh, football crowds as well. Now, the thing that I've been taking a lot of heat, and I'm just talking officiating in general, what I was just talking about. There are always missed calls. There are always bad calls. And good calls for your team. Uh, sometimes you you get lucky on this one. I, I talked about it with the Oakland Raiders game. I will never blame that loss on officiating. First of all, I, I think the last couple of plays where the Raiders were given extra plays with no time left. I thought those were fair calls against the Chiefs. And not even that. The Chiefs had a 9 point lead and they blew it. There were also a lot of bad missed calls that should have gone against the Chiefs. And that did not happen in this game. Uh, had the Chiefs won this football ga- that football game against the Raiders on Thursday night football during the season, Raiders fans would be complaining about the officiating. Instead, it was the other way around for, for Chiefs fans. What I'm getting a lot of heat for is the fact that I feel like Jeff Triplett and his, his crew, I thought for the most part they called a, a good game. Yes, there was that blatantly missed fumble when Derek Johnson took down Mariota. I have no idea how that is not a fumble because and I was talking to a friend of mine who was at the game. He uh he said he and I he and I were talking about it and I told him I said, "Look, if that's not a fumble, then what is a fumble? A fumble essentially should never exist in football." Um because he was on his way down but before he hit the ground, the ball came loose. That I agree with and I think the league uh, John Gruden, who's now the head coach of the Raiders, he uh, during the broadcast he said, "Look, we got a call from the officiating crew in New York, and they backed up. They they backed us up it, it, because I don't know who it was. ESPN's officiating expert came on and, and explained why there was forward progress call, which I, I I could not understand that logic. And John Gruden says we, that ESPN got a call from the officiating crew in New York backing up ESPN's." explanation of why it was called there was a forward progress call i am not i don't understand that and i don't agree with that that did lead that did allow the titans to kick a field goal 
Now, the two-point conversion attempt, that was correctly called. And again, the same buddy of mine who was at the game, he texted me right when that happened and said they did not blow the whistle. They absolutely didn't. And I responded to him and I said they absolutely did. I think in that moment, fans just went nuts and thought that, uh, thought that, yeah, I mean, they thought it was a two point for, for Kansas City. And because Arrowhead was just going bonkers in the moment, I, I think it was impossible to hear the whistle or even pay attention to the fact that there was a referee that had his hand up while blowing the whistle and walking up to where they, they called forward progress. So that was correctly called. And listen, if this was called, if this was the other way around, if that was Alex Smith who lost the football, on the same exact the same exact way the, the the play went, Chiefs fans would be booing if that was called a fumble while a Tennessee player was running all, all the way back for a, a two-point conversion, fumble recovery. Uh Chiefs fans would be booing. So let's not to play devil's advocate, I mean let's let's not let's not cheat here. Let's just be honest with ourselves because I think we owe that to ourselves as 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 people, as fans, whatever. So, and I'm getting a lot of people saying that Jeff Triplett cost the Chiefs five points. No, he didn't. He only cost them three points, and that's a field goal. And even if Jeff Triplett did cost the Chiefs, let's just say he cost the team five points. Uh, You know what? I'll just agree with everyone for five seconds. That was a horrible call. That should have been a fumble for the Chiefs. Jeff Triplett cost the team, the, the Chiefs five points. Jeff Triplett didn't call those terrible offensive plays for the Chiefs in the second half. Jeff Triplett didn't miss all those tackles in the second half for the Kansas City Chiefs. Jeff Triplett didn't drop a pass on third and two. That was Orson Charles who dropped it. And all, several other drops in the game for the Chiefs. Jeff Triplett didn't shut down the Chiefs. Jeff Triplett didn't blow an 18-point game for the Chiefs in the second half. So people want to say that Jeff Triplett cost the team five points. Well, the Chiefs held an 18-point lead and they shut themselves down. Andy Reid called the plays on the on the offensive side. Orson Charles and several other Chiefs dropped key passes. And the Titans, by the way, dropped some key passes also in this game. The Chiefs shot themselves in the foot. The Chiefs shut themselves down in the second half. Staying scoreless all game long. All these terrible calls on second and long, third and long. And Alex Smith is throwing short. And listen, I don't want to get too much into the details with this. But people are criticizing Alex Smith for not throwing it beyond the first down marker. Yes, I agree with that. I think part of it has to do with the play calling. Where, listen, as a player, you have to listen to what your coaches are saying. And go through with their plan. And trust that what they're saying will come true. And uh, will come to fruition. But... The defense was not having any of that for for Tennessee. So, listen, I I can't sit here and... Do do I think that the NFL needs to really look into this? Yes. Is Jeff Triplett the reason the Chiefs lost? Hell no, he is not. The officiating has nothing to do with Kansas City's 18-point blown lead, full of missed tackles, full of horrid offensive play calls. So for people who want to criticize me on social media and sending me emails, and listen, I, I can take criticism, no problem. I do it on the podcast, so in all fairness, you know, I, I'm fine with people criticizing me for. We don't have to. We don't have to agree on everything. That's the greatest thing about this world, especially this podcast. I have an open mind, people, but I cannot agree with the fact that people are putting the blame on officiating. Because if you want to tell me where I put the blame. 95% of it is on all the things I mentioned. The, the play calls, the drops, the missed tackles, uh, the blown lead uh, being shut down in the second half. Those five things, that is 95% of the reason why the Chiefs lost. The other 5% comes from the officiating. So I can, as a Chiefs fan, as someone who has always been open and honest about everything. I Listen, I've been critical when I absolutely have to, and I've been called a Raiders fan for it. I look, I, I have thick skin. I really don't. When I did this, it's funny. When I did this podcast first, I was uh, I was 16 years old, and a lot of people loved the podcast, which was great. This was the first Chiefs podcast that hit, hit the internet. Uh, but then, you know, I had some critics here and there, and as someone who was a teenager, I, and let me say say this: as a kid growing up, I did not have thick skin. 
so I was kind of just blown away by some of the comments at the time. But over the years, just in my personal life, uh, just personal experiences, I, I've managed, it, this podcast has helped too, uh, I've gained a lot of thick skin. So I really don't care about what some people have to say about me. I really don't, trust me. So as far as people disagreeing, if we can be respectful about it, that's great. Uh, as long as no one's saying anything out of line with me on social media, I love the debate. I love having back and forth conversations with you guys, whether we agree or disagree. Uh, and I'm not saying anyone's, you know, said anything horrible about me, but I have taken a lot of heat from people about this Jeff Triplett topic. Guys, I just gave you all the reasons why Jeff Triplett is absolutely not the reason why the Chiefs lost. And I look, I said it, I'll agree with you guys for just a second. Let's just say Jeff Triplett cost the team five points. Let's say that that two-point conversion should have gone in Kansas City's favor. Let's say that should have been a fumble. Okay, he he took five total points from you. Or whatever you want to say, five points total cost. He gave the Titans three, took two away from the Chiefs. There's the five-point swing. It's only five points. And listen, I'm not one of those people that's saying one point or one yard doesn't matter. It absolutely does. You know, it kind of reminds me, I used to work at a Staples and uh, as, as a cashier, and I was giving this girl her change. I, I still remember this. It was a dollar and, and something, and she told me to keep it. And I'm saying, ma'am, this is your change. And by the way, for those who have worked in retail before or any kind of, any place where you're taking in money as a cashier, you know that your managers have a strict rule that you cannot have an incorrect amount of money in your in your in your uh, in your box because they'll check the computer and all and all the systems and count up all the money. And I remember this girl did not want her money, and I, I don't know if she was just some spoiled brat whose father just pays for everything. I don't know, uh, but trust me, I'm not one of those people that doesn't believe that you know a dollar doesn't count or a yard doesn't count, a point doesn't count. They absolutely do. But when you want to talk about five points compared to the lead the Chiefs had, an 18-point lead at home against not a very good Titans team. Listen, the Titans, Marcus Mariota had a terrible regular season. So don't blame this on a fish unless there was a terrible call every single play. Sure, we can have this conversation. But guys, at the end of the day, let's just be open and honest with ourselves here. This loss falls on the Kansas City Chiefs. This does not fall. On Jeff Triplett's hands. Now since the loss. A lot of people have been wondering. What's going to happen with our coordinators. There's been talk that Matt Nagy was. In talks with other teams. For head coaching opportunities. With Chicago, Indianapolis and Arizona. Well it turned out that. Offensive coordinator Matt Nagy. Who by the way in just four games. Was given the off, the, the full. Uh, full game. Four full games for offensive play calling duties and that was more than enough to land him a head coaching job with the Chicago Bears. He has gone there and uh now is going to do something. A lot of former Chiefs who are taking some big jobs right now. Herm Edwards, as we all know, now the head coach for Arizona State, John Dorsey now the general manager for the Cleveland Browns and now Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears. So kind of interesting. So a lot of former Chiefs, whether they're head coaches or GMs, they've been taking some big jobs elsewhere. So me personally, I, I always everyone likes to follow uh, a, a former an offensive coordinator that was formerly with their team or head coach formerly with their team and see how they do elsewhere. So definitely a lot of former Chiefs to follow and Matt Nagy, one of them. So that leaves an open spot at offensive coordinator and the Chiefs very quick to find their replacement. Running backs coach Eric Bieniemy is going to replace Matt Nagy. He is now the offensive coordinator on the team. However, there is heavy speculation that Andy Reid will still be. The play caller. Now we know that that can change. A lot can happen from now. It's early to mid January. Uh, a lot can happen from now until training camp and the regular season. Uh, so we'll see how the Chiefs want to play that out. Uh, not a lot of fans happy about the fact that Andy Reid could still be the play caller. A lot of people wondering the fact that it's a running backs coach who is now the offensive coordinator. Maybe he'll. Put a word in Andy Reid's ear and say, "Hey, look, let's give the ball to our to the best running back in the, the guy who led the league in rushing, Kareem Hunt, a rookie. Let's let's use him a little bit more." And listen, the Chiefs have a couple of interesting players that they could use. Spencer Ware is going to be coming back, hopefully, 
100% healthy, ready to go. Charkandrick West, I feel like he's had some flashes here and there. Tyree Kill, you know what he can do when he gets the football on the ground. Uh, more so when he's lined up as a running back. I think teams have kind of caught up on those fake jet sweeps and whatnot. Uh, there are some unique plays you can still run uh, if the Chiefs can call those plays. I know they have them in those thick playbooks. Uh, listen, whether it's high school, college, the pros, uh, every offensive player at every level has told me that it's a very thick playbook. They don't want to go into the details because they don't want to give things away, but they have said that it's a it's a fairly thick playbook. There are a lot of plays uh, in those uh, in those sheets and uh, a lot of sheets stat up there. So you know that there are at least several plays, several different plays. Maybe you haven't called before that you could use with Tyree Kill in some trick play situations. Uh, the Chiefs certainly had that with Travis Kelsey lining up at quarterback a couple of times uh, and running the ball himself. They they showed that off earlier in the season more so. And I'm not talking about the the interception uh, in the Giants game. Definitely not that one. Uh, but, uh, I mean, there you you know Andy Reid's got some of that. And even as a head coach, an experienced head coach for so long, how is it possible that he just called some of these bad plays? I don't know. Uh, but for whatever reason, we have seen, even with Charlie Weiss, a phenomenal offensive coordinator in the NFL, when he was with the Jayhawks, uh, serving as a head coach, offensive coordinator, and QB coach, Todd Haley, who had a great run with the Cardinals that led him to earn a head coaching job in Kansas City. Todd Haley did this also uh, when he was the uh, offensive. He fired Chan Gailey, making making himself the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Charlie Weiss and Todd Haley carrying uh, three duties with the Jayhawks or with the Chiefs, and neither of those guys succeeded in trying to handle those three opportunities. We've just seen it time and time over the years, uh, whether it's in Kansas City or outside, that it just doesn't work to have a head coach handle another duty, major responsibilities there. So hopefully Andy Reid comes around. Listen, he's been around the league for so long that he should know by now what will work for him and what doesn't. Now, as far as the defensive side of the football, a lot of guys are waiting for this to happen, but still no word on this. Defensive coordinator Bob Sutton is still on the staff with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, former NFL executive Michael Lombardi said on his podcast, the GM Street podcast, that Bob Sutton is not returning, but as of now, he's still on the team. He's still listed as, as an employee of the team. He's still listed as the defensive coordinator with the Chiefs. So as of right now, Bob Sutton's with the team. And let me just say this. The playoff loss was Saturday night. Here I am. Podcast is out Friday morning. And Bob Sutton is still on the staff. And... Honestly, right now, I don't I don't think Bob Sutton's going. If he's still on the team right now, almost a week later, I don't think he's going to go. And come Tuesday morning, the next time I'm going to do this podcast, if Bob Sutton is still on the team through the end of Monday, then I am fully convinced by the time we, we have another podcast Tuesday morning that the Chiefs are going to keep Bob Sutton. And Bob Sutton's going to keep his job and stay with the Kansas City Chiefs as a defensive coordinator. I know that's not something a lot of people want to hear, but at this point, I mean, what are you waiting for? If it was going to happen by now, I definitely think it would have happened. So I know it's not the news that Chiefs fans wanted to hear, but if it's taken them this long, then I'm convinced that the Chiefs are wanting to move forward with Bob Sutton. Let me know your guys' thoughts on this. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine Two one. Now, as far as Eric Bieniemy's uh, position, the running backs uh, coach that he previously held, I want to go back to that for just one moment. Terrell Paylor of the Kansas City Star is reporting that the Chiefs will interview Deland McCullough, uh, who is the current running backs coach for USC. This is the only year he's been with USC. He has coached at Indiana for six seasons, played for Miami in Ohio. And was briefly with the Bengals, the Eagles, the Blue Bombers, the Enforcers, uh, the Chicago Enforcers, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So obviously he's played for several different teams, several different leagues here and there. Uh, So not a big name player, but good enough knowledge to the point where uh, he's been coaching uh, college football for a while. And now he is uh, interviewing for his first ever NFL coaching job. So definitely something to keep an eye on. The Chiefs currently interviewing Delan McCullough. To be the running back, the new running backs coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, I mentioned earlier there is an unfortunate trend with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And what is this unfortunate trend? No, I'm not talking about the blown leads or just the heartbreaking losses, you know, such as the Lynn Elliott missed field goals. Uh, you know, not punting uh, against the Colts when the Colts also didn't punt that no famous no punt game. Uh, as far as losses to Indianapolis and Baltimore, the the Indianapolis, the one I'm referring to is the um, the one in two that the only game Herm Edwards coached the Chiefs to uh, in the postseason. Uh, a lot of people, I thought Larry Johnson was going to go off. I thought he was going to at least have a 200 yard rushing game against a very bad. Colts defense, uh, that was not the case at all. Kansas City's offense completely shut down in that football game. And we all know Ty Law came up, came up with two picks. I think Jared Page also got a pick in that football game. Uh, the pass, the defense for Kansas City was great, but the offense never came away with uh, with anything until late in the game. Uh, I still remember Trent Green tripping over. I think it was Brian Waters or, or, or Will Shields, whoever was with the Chiefs at the time. I think both were, but tripped over an offensive guard. Uh, that was just a very ugly game, and Lawrence Tynes missing a chip shot field goal. Uh, not a good showing. The one against the Ravens, uh, yes, the Chiefs did take a lead in that one at one point, but, uh, man, Baltimore just flat out dominated the rest of the way. But there have been some heartbreaking losses. That The other one to Indianapolis, we all know about that 28-point lead that was blown Losing to a kicker last year at home uh, after a bye, uh, especially with, with everything that's been discussed about Andy Reid's record after a bye. If I'm not mistaken, I believe, uh, and I don't have this in front of me, I believe Andy Reid was 3-0 and going into last year's postseason uh, bye week. And a lot of people thought he'd be 4-0. and Nope, not the case in that one. And of course, this one, 18-point lead blown at home this time. Now listen, that 38-point lead, that one still sings the most. A lot of people are saying that the Titans loss is the worst. I think people are saying that because it was at Arrowhead and it was a it was a blown lead, a three-possession lead at Arrowhead that was blown. Uh we're look, in 18 don't get me wrong, that's still bad, but I think it's also due to the fact that it was yet another heartbreaking play lo- playoff loss. And uh the fact that it just keeps on adding and adding and adding. Um, but at the end of the day, nothing can top uh, blowing a 38-10 to lead in the third quarter. The Chiefs started off that second half with an interception, and I still remember watching those halftime shows, people saying Andrew Luck is not designed to come back and overcome a, a, lead, a lead like that, a deficit like that, I, I guess from an Indianapolis standpoint. So, man, uh, boy, uh did uh, and everyone was wrong about that. Of course, uh, yeah, listen. When you blow a twenty-eight point lead, that is ter- the second highest blown postseason lead ever. And uh, I still remember that week. Uh, just like as a diehard Chiefs fan, physically, I was just ill that whole week. Um, but man, uh, that's um, this is just tough because Kansas City has had a lot of heartbreaking losses now. There is another unfortunate trend that's going on here. And by the way, Nick Wright was on... I'll I'll get to Nick Wright's comment in a minute. But um, you may not realize this, and maybe you do. But since 1994, Kansas City's last home playoff win, when Joe Montana was a quarterback, the Chiefs have had a lot of great players come and go. Some still with the franchise. Some were with the franchise for a long time. Some have... Some who are still with the franchise have been around for a long time. And the Chiefs have not been able to win a playoff game at home. Who are those players? Well, I've got that list in front of me. And this took me a while to to double check and make sure I got everyone on the list. But man, uh, these are the list of Chiefs Pro Bowlers since, uh, since 1994. Kansas City's last uh, home playoff win. And you'll... Uh, You'll just notice a trend in this one, okay? Uh, because there are a lot of great guys who have coming on uh, through the franchise. I'm going to give you the list here of Pro Bowl players for the Chiefs and uh, for each position. Quarterback, Steve Bono, Elvis Gerback, Trent Green, Matt Castle, Alex Smith. No home playoff wins under any of those QBs. And under the, the rest of these players too. Running backs, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt. Fullbacks, Kimball Anders, Tony Richardson... Boy, I mean, these these bring some really good memories. They really do. But um, 
It's also uh, very, very heartbreaking, too. Uh, this is just very hard. <laughs> this is just, just hard to read, knowing the Chiefs had so many great players over the years and were not able to win. And I'm not even through half this list. Wide receivers, again, guys who have made the Pro Bowl, Andre Risen, Dwayne Bowe, tight ends, Tony Gonzalez and Travis Kelsey, offensive linemen, and boy, the Chiefs, have, have they've had some great linemen over the years. Will Shields, Tim Grunhard, Willie Rofe, Brian Waters, Brandon Albert, and I want to say Eric Fisher was a Pro Bowl alternate one year. I, I can't remember that right now. I'm typing that right now as we speak. Uh, I want to say Eric Fisher was a Pro Bowl alternate. Yeah. Yeah. Pro Bowl alternate last year, Eric Fisher. So you even had Eric Fisher going to the Pro Bowl as an alternate. Uh, defensive linemen who have gone into the Pro Bowl representing the Chiefs. Neil Smith. I know I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Dan Selamua. Jared Allen. Dontari Poe. Linebackers. Derek Thomas. Tom Bahali. Tom Bahali was a defensive lineman, but when he switched to outside linebacker, that's when he started having a better career and, and was named in multiple Pro Bowls. Uh, Tom Bahali. Derek Johnson. Justin Houston. Defensive backs, boy, there are some really good ones here. Dale Carter, James Hasty, Jerome Woods, Eric Berry, Brandon Flowers, Marcus Peters, special teams players, Dante Hall, Gary Stills, Kendall Gammon, Dustin Colquitt, Dexter McCluster, Tyree Kill, and DJ Alexander. Now, I've also got a list of players. This is just my opinion. Maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't. These are players who were not pro bowlers with the Chiefs, but these are guys who I still think... These were second-tier guys who really helped the Chiefs uh, during their time in Kansas City, even though they were never recognized for a Pro Bowl of any any sort. Uh, the list, Derek Alexander, Eric Warfield, Dexter McLean, Eddie Kennison. Some of these guys only had maybe one good year, but hey, I, I mean, they still did something to try to help the Chiefs uh, while they were here. Uh, Eddie Kennison, Brandon Carr, uh, Eric Hicks, Tamarick Vanover. Uh, Bernard Poller, Jared Page, Damon Heward, uh, Casey Wake. Casey Wakeman was a Pro Bowler with the Broncos, was never voted in in his two stints with the Chiefs, surprisingly. John Asamoa, who definitely should have been a Pro Bowler, as should have been Sean Smith. Hussein Abdullah, Ron Parker, Jeremy Macklin, Mitch Morse, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Chris Jones, Reggie Raglan, Mike Cox, Anthony Sherman. A lot of great players. And listen, these next four guys I'm about to name... Uh, the Chiefs brought them in. They didn't necessarily do great, although one of them did have a really good postseason game. I mentioned uh, the one against Peyton Manning. Didn't do great, but the Chiefs even tried to bring in some notable veterans. And still it didn't pan out to any sort of success. Ty Law, Patrick Sertan, Kendrill Bell, Sammy Knight. Listen, look, Carl Peterson, Scott Pioli, John Dorsey. Yes, they were all let go by the Chiefs. And listen, the Carl Peterson thing, people are saying that he quote-unquote mutually agreed. When they quote-unquote mutually agree, that means it was there was a firing of some sort. So they, they like to put it on good terms. That way there's it can at least be a little easier when you address the media about about all this. But Carl Peterson was indeed, I mean, let's be honest, he, he was let go by the Chiefs. They, they were going to fire him at least. So these, guys, these are all guys who were all fired. Uh, Peterson, Pioli, and Dorsey. But they still brought in some damn good talent to try to win. And whether it was under Andy Reid or before Andy Reid, the players that are with the Chiefs now, again, whether they were drafted under Andy Reid or before, a lot of these players have reached their potential under Andy Reid. And listen, why did the Chiefs lose that no-punt game? Why did they... uh, Why did they... Lose. I mean, why couldn't? Why did they come up flat in that Baltimore Ravens game or previous games before Andy Reid? Listen, obviously those cannot be on Andy Reid. Now Andy Reid has been part of some of the more heartbreaking losses, uh, the two blown leads and losing to a kicker. Uh, so I think a lot of people are more disappointed in Andy Reid because the expectations were a lot higher, especially given his veteran experience and the amount of times he's taken the Eagles to conference title games. Uh, so listen, uh, something's, something's got to give. And I guess Andy Reid's taking more criticism because he is the current head coach right now. 
And listen, I, I even said this last year. I played devil's advocate last week. I did criti- criticize the Cincinnati Bengals for retaining Marvin Lewis. He is the most uh, he is the uh, most winningest head coach in Bengals history, but he's 0-7 in the playoffs. Andy Reid has the highest win percentage as the head coach of the Chiefs in franchise history, but he only has one postseason win. And sure, like, I, you can only be you can only play who you're asked to play in the postseason. But sure, the Chiefs did play a terrible Texans team. That barely won a terrible AFC South. So look, uh, there 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 are way more postseason losses than than wins under Andy Reid in the playoffs. But those losses, I mean, those are some heartbreaking losses that we're talking about here. I don't I don't really know what to say. I, I listen. I just gave you this list from Steve Bono to Alex Smith, Derek Alexander. Bernard Pollard, Chris Jones, uh, Mike Cox, Jeremy Mack. I mean, so many different players from from so many different years. Andre Risen, Tony Gonzalez, Tyreek Hill. Like, we have players. The Chiefs have Pro Bowlers at every single position in the last, what, 20 years, 25 years or so. And for whatever reason... The Chiefs cannot win in the postseason. They only have one postseason win to show for it, and that was the one against the Texans. And by the way, I'll add Niall Davis to that list because he did some things on on special teams. Uh, As far as guys who were never pro bowlers but did some special things to help the Chiefs uh, find some success. Listen, uh, maybe I'm sure there are a couple other players that maybe I've missed, but the the whole point being in all of this is that you've had so many great players come and go through the organization. I mean, what is it at the end of the day where the Chiefs just cannot find any success when they had when people saying the Chiefs had some of the greatest offensive lineman groups in NFL history this year? They had a four thousand yard passer and a thousand yard players. With a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end. How in the hell can you not win with the best offensive line ever? With a guy who set the touchdown record as a running back at, at one point. Uh, you, you know, some phenomenal defensive players on this football team. Uh, what is it at the end of the day that the Chiefs cannot win? Even when you have uh, decorated coaches... Like Dick Vermeil and and, uh, and Andy Reid, and I know Herm Edwards was not great, but hey, he had a little bit of success taking the Jets to the postseason. What is it at the end of the day? I don't know. I really don't. And I think this is what's so frustrating as a Chiefs fan. I, I'm sitting here talking to you guys just as a Chiefs fan. I, I know some of you guys consider me part of the media. Some of you guys say I'm a journalist, though, though I strongly disagree. I don't even think journalism exists anymore. But uh, listen. Uh, I am just talking to you guys as a fan, not as a guy in the media. I know some of you guys view me as that, but you know, I've said before, I'm not out there at, at, uh, practices and whatnot. Uh, look, uh, this is, um, this is a really strange mystery. People believe in curses. Okay, sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't really believe in curses so much. Um, there's, there's really no way to pinpoint you know what 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 is it that the chiefs are doing why can't they why is it that they've had so many amazing players through uh through this franchise the past 20 plus years and they can't find success in the playoffs um uh, i don't know i really don't um this is uh this is forever going to be a mystery like even if the chiefs win a super bowl in 20 years yeah sure we'll enjoy that and we'll talk about how there were so many down years in the in the, in the Chiefs uh, and so many heartbreaking losses. But we'll still look back and we'll forever look back at, at these 20 plus years, however long it'll last. And we'll say, why in the world could this Chiefs team not win with all the talented players that they've had? And like even during those um, from 2007 through 2012 the Chiefs had so many bad losing seasons. They had three different head coaches. Even during those worst Years that they had those two two and two and fourteen seasons, they still had some great young bright eyed players, and uh, still, I mean, you you lost so many games during those years. Why is that? 
so many wasted opportunities with this franchise. And I think there is one person that you can at least put the finger on. And I, th- I say that's Clark Hunt. Listen, I know he was not necessarily the the head owner. He was not the uh, head person of the Hunt family. Of course, his father, Lamar Hunt, uh, until he passed away in late 2006. But at the end of the day, that that last name right there is stitched on him, and that's Hunt, the Hunt family. So whether you want to say Clark Hunt or the Hunt family in general. Uh, I think you've got to look at something here. And I told you what I would do if I was Clark Hunt. I, I think you have to absolutely force Andy Reid to 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 ha- have a play caller. Because I think if you have your offensive coordinator calling the plays, you don't lose that game to, 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 to the Titans. Even if Jeff Triplett allegedly costs you five points. I just don't think that... Uh, any sort of officiating is any excuse to lose when you have so many talented players on this team now and in history with what you've had. Uh, this falls on the Chiefs, and I think the Hunt family, uh, and I don't know exactly uh, who from the Hunt family carries what title. Uh, I know uh, I know of a Chiefs, uh, a couple of Chiefs cheerleaders, actually. One who I went to high school with and one who uh, no longer on the team but uh, was um, uh, who, who uh, I went to KU with who was a captain of the Chiefs uh, cheer squad, and they both told me that the Hunt family, the women of the Hunt family, have a big hand in that. I don't know if the women do anything else uh, with the organization, but uh, listen, the Hunt family, I mean, they still have some sort of, uh, it's mainly Clark Hunt. They say the Hunt family, but Clark Hunt's the head man. I mean, he's the guy who um, who runs this uh, organization when it comes to hiring the GM and the head coach. I know Andy Reid kind of has a essay in that the way that he, he does things, but you get the idea. Uh, people want to say the Hunt family. I just pointed at Clark Hunt. And again, I know anything before 2006, you can't point the finger on, on, on Clark. Uh, but listen, uh, at the end of the day, if you have all of these great talented players and even some great coaches like Dick Vermeil and Andy Reid, come in here and if they're not winning I think I think you've got to look at ownership too uh why is it and listen yes sure he brought in Scott Pioli at the time that was a big name that everybody wanted uh but you got him uh and uh you know why did things not pan out why were why was there so much conflict with Todd Haley and Scott Pioli I mean all of all of these things that we have just seen and all of the amount of promise that we have seen. All of it come, be for nothing really. With the exception of just one playoff win. Against a bad Texans team. Uh, what is it going to take for this franchise to overcome that? You know I, I said here. I, I As simple as it sounds. I still think an offensive play caller. W- would have ended this. We would not even have this conversation. So I'm not exactly sure. What is it that the Chiefs can do but boy uh it is it is heartbreaking to talk about it really is and here's another thing and this is just kind of moving on from that on uh facebook and twitter i uh posted out the cap figures uh the 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 amount of money that each player will be the the players in the top 20 for salary oh boy uh if alex smith is still with the team which i doubt uh, and that's a topic for another time. We'll, we'll talk more about that next week, as far as uh, the future with the play with the personnel side of things. But Alex Smith is making a lot of money. Eric Fisher, oh boy, was his contract a bad one that John Dorsey gave to him? Uh, they're gonna and listen, Derek Johnson and Tom Bahali, I think they're also making more money than they deserve. Uh, listen, Brett Veach, who has not even been the GM for a full year. This is going to be his full, uh, his first full year with the Chiefs. His first full offseason and first full, uh, well, if, technically he had a full regular season, but it was right before. So uh, there is going to be a, there are going to be a lot of things that uh, Brett Veach is going to have to do. And I think the first order of business, you've got to find a way to restructure those contracts, those hefty contracts that John Dorsey gave, and you're gonna to have to, you're gonna to have to make room. I mean, Darrell Revis, I'd like to see him. Spend a full offseason with the Chiefs, and maybe maybe this Chiefs defense can redeem themselves. Uh, you know, I, I, I can only imagine like the idea of Eric Berry, Marcus Peters, and Darrell Revis. And I know I said the personnel things. I want to talk about that later. 
I mean, the the the, the idea of that sounds great, but from a cap fig, from a cap point of view, you've got to restructure some contracts here or let some guys go because. Uh, oh boy, uh, are, are there a lot of guys who didn't necessarily produce, such as Tom Bahali and Eric Fisher, Alex Smith, look, we know it's time to move on with the QB position, especially when you traded up 23 spots to get a guy. Uh, there are a lot of guys who are taking up a lot of cap space, and I think uh, the Chiefs definitely need to do something about that uh, before the free agency gets underway let me know what you guys think about all of this facebook.com slash farzine vasugian twitter.com slash farzine 21 and my email farzine at farzine time to wrap up the show let's go around the nfl we discussed this during the preseason but it seems like it's gonna possibly happen again steelers running back Le'Veon bell and the Steelers are, of course, preparing to play the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. He said that he would consider sitting out again for 2018, even if he gets tagged again by the Steelers. Now, listen, I don't know exactly what's going on behind closed doors with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but there are some unhappy players who feel like they're getting the short end of the stick with that franchise. The Steelers, uh, they don't have it pretty right now, especially with a... Uh, we haven't heard much about this lately, but we know it's it's a situation that's probably still ongoing, but we, we all heard about wide receiver Martavius Bryant and how unhappy he was, and the Steelers just made him inactive for one game uh, just to really make a, make a point. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take for the Steelers to solve all these things because Martavius Bryant, sure, you're a great player. Antonio Brown's obviously going to be your, your primary guy, but you need those other wide receivers on your team, and Martavius Bryant certainly has a lot of talent, and... Le'Veon Bell, you certainly don't want to lose him. Even though I keep saying the Chiefs lost to a kicker, had it not been for Le'Veon Bell's strong game on the ground against the Chiefs, uh, you would not have seen that kicker for the Steelers that many times. So Le'Veon Bell's done a lot of great things. And I've got to say, honestly, I side with him on this. I think he deserves a big payday from the Steelers with everything he's done for this franchise over the years. Uh, Yeah, sure, it's all about Big Ben and Antonio Brown, but let's not forget about Le'Veon Bell. In an era where the running game tends to be forgotten about, Le'Veon Bell really helps the Steelers be a three-dimensional football team, and I think without him, maybe the Steelers would still be a top-tier team in the AFC, but maybe not to the level that Le'Veon Bell helps them get to. So I definitely think this guy deserves his pay raise from the Steelers. If not, definitely deserves it from another franchise. Predictions for this weekend, the divisional round of the playoffs, and I'll tell you what, I've got a lot of road teams winning this weekend. Let me know your guys' thoughts on this because I think a lot of people will be surprised. Uh, the Falcons winning over the Eagles, that's certainly not a surprise. I doubted the Falcons last week. I thought the Rams were going to continue their dominance on offense, but no, I, I mean, they certainly sh- showed some some, skill, some skills of Falcons, that is, and they overcame uh, a very good Rams football team. And the Eagles going with Nick Foles, not the greatest amount of confidence there, so I think the Falcons definitely going to uh, continue their winning streak on the road. And I think they're going to come away with a win against the Eagles. The Pats over the Titans. Uh, look, uh, I mean, unless the Patriots pull uh, an Andy Reid and the Chiefs, uh, I just don't know how uh, the Pats lose this football game. It would uh, Unless the Titans just do something crazy and do what the Chiefs did on opening week in Foxborough. The Jaguars over the Steelers. This might surprise a lot of people. I, this Jaguars defense, I will, I, I'm in love with this Jaguars defense. I really am. I know it doesn't lead to exciting games, but this defense, I think, has the ability to pull off an upset here and go meet the, the Patriots for a conference title match. And I also got the Saints over the Vikings. Listen, I like the Vikings, what they've been able to do. But I can't go against Drew Brees and that high-powered Saints offense. I really cannot. Uh, I, I still think those are that's a that is a team that just cannot be stopped right now. So I'm definitely picking the Saints to win over the Vikings. Let's go out of bounds. Sure, a lot of you guys saw the national title game. Definitely want to get into that shortly. Uh, and I discussed this last year, and I'll probably do it every year. What, what I really love, and this is starting to really pick up, 
the the difference that we can have in this conversation compared to last year, the ratings for these mega casts are going up, and we're seeing so many. We're seeing this more in college sports. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, maybe you don't follow college sports and you don't see this often. But for every year, for the national championship game. ESPN uh, provides uh, the game on multiple channels, but if you go to ESPN2 or ESPNU or any of the other ESPN networks, basically there's one channel called a... Uh, these are all megacasts. One megacast features you know, a couple of ESPN personalities plus some celebrities, former athletes who they all get together and watch it almost like you're drinking almost like you're at home or maybe at a bar with your buddies you're, you're just having conversations you're talking about the game or you're talking about other sports and you're just talking about the game and, and listen I, I know some of you guys uh said hey uh for your facebook live uh stay on facebook live during the game because people want to see me react to that and i'm saying why <laughs> like why do you want to see me react to games uh while they're happening but uh, then again I, I guess i i have to take it take back the criticism because I do find myself watching these mega casts. Joe Rogan, you guys know me, I'm a big UFC guy. Joe Rogan, when he is not calling a UFC fight, he will actually bring over some of his MMA buddies and uh, on his podcast live, he'll go on YouTube and people can watch Joe Rogan and his reaction and listen to all of these conversations he's having, whether it's about the fight, other MMA topics, or anything else outside of MMA. And people like to hear that stuff. So, uh, people have once asked, you know, is this, is this something that I would do uh, for Facebook Live? Maybe if, a lot, if enough of you guys tell me, you know, whether it's through social media or through email that you guys would actually like that, sure, I'll consider it. Uh, I'll have to figure out the, the proper setup for it. But these megacasts, they're actually very fun to watch. There's another megacast where it's just football coaches and football scouts. And that was also interesting because these are obviously more knowledgeable guys. They know the sport way more. They can actually see plays happening before they develop as soon as the quarterback throws a pass they know what the end result is going to be which is a kind of kind of interesting to see on its own uh but these mega casts are very interesting i wish they did it for more sports i really wish they did they're never going to do this for a super bowl because every year there are always high numbers for the super bowl and if uh i don't know what channel the super bowl is going to be on this let's just say it's going to be on cbs let's say cbs wanted to use its other broadcasting partners from Turner, uh, such as TNT, TBS, uh, True TV, if they want, which, which is what they use for college basketball, if they wanted to have megacast for those, the ratings would drop tremendously because the popularity of megacasts are going up. Which I think is, again, a very cool way to watch sports. I really do. You would think that, you know, watching other people watch the game and listening, that their conversations would be weird. By the way, for those who haven't seen this before, you might be wondering, why do I want to watch them? I'd rather watch the game. You can still see the game. They put the game on a bigger screen, and on a smaller screen, you can see and listen to uh, the other guys. You just would not hear the commentators for that game necessarily. So, that's the biggest difference. For these mega casts, kind of pretty cool, and maybe I'll do it for games again if enough of you guys uh, come out and let me know and say that you want to hear me uh, provide my commentary for games. I've done a lot of Facebook lives. A lot of you guys at halftime have asked me to do it. Uh, at the time, I thought it was kind of weird and silly, but uh, listen uh, again. Like I said, if enough of you guys uh, tell me about it, uh, I would definitely consider it for sure. One other thing I do want to talk about in this segment: uh, Lavar Ball. Oh boy. Uh, I've discussed this before. It's gotten just out of hand. The criticism that he's making for Luke Walton, the head coach of the Lakers. Let me just say this. The Lakers have no one to blame but themselves. They knew what they were getting into. And now they are stuck with it. And Steve Kerr uh, made made some tremendous points about how it's ridiculous. There's a market for this. People want to hear about it. And it's drawing a lot of attention for whatever reason. It's like the Kardashians, essentially. Uh, Leangelo and LaMelo Ball... Uh, they, they made their debut in Lithuania, uh, and it got all kinds of coverage. SB Nation said it drew 1.6 million people for that big ball challenge. So listen, apparently people care about LeVar Ball for whatever damn reason. It was, it, I, I, cannot, I cannot even comprehend. Uh, why do people care about this? Why? It's a guy who's trying to pump up his brand, promote himself, and just continue to draw attention for his son. He kept saying his son was uh, was going to 
dominate for the Lakers, he hasn't done so. And he's just making it a distraction. And honestly, if I'm an, if I'm a teammate uh, on the Lakers, boy, I, it's just an uncomfortable feeling. Pro athletes want to say that they can minimize these distractions. Come on. You really think that this whole LeVar Ball drama is not a distraction? If you truly think the Lakers players are not letting it be a distraction, you're a fool. Come on. It's just horrible. And the Lakers got themselves in a terrible, terrible, terrible mess. And they cannot get out of it. They drafted the guy number two overall, and they're stuck with him. I don't know any team that would be willing to accept the trade with the Lakers taking ball out of their hands. Final segment, penalty flags. Alright, I'm throwing a flag at fans who feel bad for Jalen Hurts. The Now, I mentioned the national title game in Alabama with that tremendous comeback. And that was after Nick Saban made a ballsy move. Uh, pulling out Jalen Hurts and putting in Tua Tungo Viola. I have to look that up, by the way. But, man, uh, Tungo Viola, give credit to him. Uh, tremendous performance from him in his comeback. Helping uh, helping Alabama uh, force overtime. And now with that missed field goal, uh, momentum did shift a bit. But Alabama managed to overcome that. And they defeated Georgia. And I don't know what it is with Georgia teams, especially in their own home state now this time. Uh, Georgia teams going to championships and just blowing them. I don't know what that's all about. But uh, I don't feel bad for Jalen Hurts. I don't know why people do. These guys are playing at a high level. And listen, here's the thing with... Pro athletes, so many of them, they, they they think they're you know the hottest thing in, in on campus, and they're they're great. And a lot of them, let's be honest, in high school, they would always bully the um, the non jocks. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so look, I don't feel bad for these guys, not one bit. I, I hear the announcer saying, "Oh man, I, I I feel for Jalen Hurts. I know he's hurting inside. I don't give a damn if you're not playing well. Uh, start playing well. Otherwise." The coaches have every reason to want to make a change. And that's exactly what Nick Saban did. And he made the right move here. I do not one bit feel bad. This is a guy who's getting basically a free education to play sports. And if he could not play well in this championship game and got pulled for it, I don't give a damn. The guy didn't play well. He still got a free education. Something that I never got. A lot of people don't have. So, uh, too bad Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm definitely not hurting for you. Here's a guy who I am kind of hurting for. Uh, Bradley Bozeman, uh, the 21-year-old offensive lineman. And I, apparently he's going to the NFL now. I, 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 I didn't follow the aftermath about all of this. Uh, but apparently he proposed to... Uh, well, not apparently. He did propose to his girlfriend. There are, there are a lot of rumors that the girl he proposed to is his cousin... Uh, or, or some are saying even his sibling. Uh, I, I have not found that to be true, so I'm not going to go with that. But uh, he is a 21-year-old who did propose. And uh, I do have a question about this, but there are a lot of people criticizing him over the fact that he's 21 and uh, and he's, he's, he's engaged. And look, when you're 21, are you really... Re- I still remember when I was 18, 19... Graduated from high school. I thought I, I thought I knew everything. I really did. Uh, my brother, uh, he's almost twenty-one, uh, and uh, I remember when he was eighteen, nineteen. He thought he knew everything. A lot of guys, especially guys at eighteen, nineteen, that age, their late teen years, they think they know a lot. But once you reach your twenties and you become twenty-one, your early twenties, you realize there's more you don't know. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Alexi Sherman, uh, a very great author, uh, he said. At one point, the older you get, the more you realize of just things you don't know, and you just feel more dumb. Uh, uh, kind of funny the way he put it, but he's right. The older you get, the more you realize you don't know. Uh, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I thought, man, there are just a lot of things I don't know. I better know about some of these things. But then I just realized, especially you know, with things that happened in the 70s and 80s, so many things out there that people just don't know about uh, the older they get. Uh, especially with historic uh, moments or figures. So... Uh, let me just say this. When you're 21, I don't care if you're about to go to the NFL. As any amount of money 
like, are you really ready to, to get married at that age? That's what this guy's getting criticized for. I never really thought about that. I, I know a lot of people who I went to high school with and college with who got engaged and married early and now we're going through divorces. Listen, folks, uh, the statistics show the later you get married in your late 20s or early 30s, the more success you'll have and the less of a chance you'll... you'll have. Listen, I, I still remember when I was in my 20s, I thought I was in love with certain people. Uh, but listen, uh, good for this guy. If he's ready, if he thinks he's ready, uh, maybe he'll find out the hard way. Maybe he doesn't, but... Even then, I kind of still think in your 20s. Don't you miss out on certain things? Uh, I just think you do. Here is my big criticism for this guy, though. Where in the hell does a 21-year-old have the money for an engagement ring? Like, is the NCAA investigating this or anything? Because uh, unless his parents are super rich and they got it for him? Listen, I I, I never want anybody. Like I, like, I would not want my parents to buy me an engagement ring for a girl that I would want to propose for. No, 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 definitely not. Uh, I do not ever want that. Uh, so not exactly sure where he got that ring. That is something I'm definitely curious about. Uh, like I remember Johnny Manziel once sat front row for a, uh, for a game, uh, for an NBA game. So uh, court side, I guess is the more correct term. And, uh, the announcers brought it up. Uh, this is while he was still playing college at Texas A&M. How does he have the money for it? Because even if his friend gave it to him, that's still considered a gift. And again, the NCAA's rules with what is a gift and what isn't, that's very, uh, that is hard to figure out on its own. But uh, not exactly sure how this 21-year-old Mr. Bozeman uh, got this uh, engagement. I, I did not see the ring, so unless it's like one of those plastic rings from Walmart... Uh, it probably came from his parents? Not sure. Uh, that's something I actually am very curious about. Okay, I'm a little late on this one. I know I'm going a little long on this segment than I normally do, but I really want to talk about this for a moment. Apple had admitted recently that in their iOS updates... You know, obviously every year, uh, roughly every 11 to 13 months, but pretty much every year... Apple comes out with a new iPhone. And with a new iPhone, for people who want to keep their iPhone that they have, because not everyone wants to change every year. Some people change every two years or every three years. Apple provides iOS updates. Now, it was discovered uh, through an Apple employee recently, obviously a mole in, in, this, uh, in, this, in this very successful industry, that in these iOS updates, Apple includes some sort of way to make previous iPhones slower. Let me just say this. For a company that makes a lot of money with all the products they have, whether it's, you know, actual products like the iPhone, the iPad, uh, computers, uh, watches, uh, or even just like through the App Store, all the things that you can buy for the price that they are at. Uh, This is just a big middle finger from Apple to its customers. You have lots of... Of customers. And I don't know. Listen, people always say, look, I'll admit I do have Apple products. And people do say that you can find uh, products that are just the same, if not even better, for a cheaper price. And I, I can certainly understand that. I will say I'm just more familiar with Apple products for a long time, so I've stuck with them. Uh, and, and the thing is, people are just uh, upset with, with this uh, news. Uh, that the fact that, and people all, listen, if you're tech savvy, kind of like me, you, you picked up on it. You already knew that Apple would intentionally make their previous iPhones slower with these updates. Uh, I'm still a couple updates behind on the iOS. I refuse to update my phone because I've noticed with some up, some certain updates, uh, even if you do update it, certain things might might get better, but other things will intentionally not improve. They'll, they'll, they'll slow down. And I, I just think that's horrible. That's a horrible thing to do. When you're making tons and tons of money with the millions of customers you have, world not just nationwide, we're talking worldwide. And you're pr- providing some sort of an iOS update that makes previous iPhones slower. First of all, you've got a mole in your business. Second of all, you suck, Apple, for doing that to your own, comp- to your own customers. Come on. You have lots of them. There's no reason to do that. Just like how there's no reason for the Chiefs to not succeed in the playoffs with all these great players they've had. That's the big topic about this podcast. So many great players who have come and gone 
and still for whatever reason this franchise cannot succeed let me know your guys thoughts on all of that or anything else i discussed on this podcast like my facebook page follow me on facebook facebook.com slash farzine visugi and i'll interact with you guys on the facebook side of things or on twitter at farzine 21 that's a tweet machine follow me on there and you guys can email me farzine at farzinevisugian.com subscribe to the podcast if you like it please share it let your friends know about the podcast share the Chiefs on podcast with your friends as always big thanks to you guys the listeners we're not going anywhere still going to be doing the podcast during the off season uh, I may take a little bit of a break in February definitely will need to step away at some point we'll do so after the Super Bowl but definitely nonetheless appreciate all of you guys who are sticking around and still participating with me listening to the podcast and again like I said not going anywhere at all Still going to be doing the podcast. A big year for the podcast, so I appreciate all of you guys this season who participated and have downloaded and listened, whether you listen all year long, late in the season, or you've been listening for several years. Definitely appreciate all of you guys, all the listeners, for the podcast. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. We'll talk about the possible change of a defensive coordinator, other coaching updates with the Kansas City Chiefs. Also talk about the personnel side of things and moving forward with that. That'll be a Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Stay away from the road. Stay warm. Talk to you then.